HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, meaning harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. Well, welcome to Pizza Quest. We're back. We're back for another episode and we're going to expand a little bit, not only expand our minds, but expand the, the parameters of Pizza Quest and focus more on Quest than pizza. Uh, because today we're going to take uh, a journey with Lou Bank, who is the director of an organization called Sacred, which we, he will explain in a second. But it's all about uh, agave and, and mezcal and and other things related to that. So it's another kind of fermentation beyond bread dough and pizza dough. Um, and so we're going to hear all about it today. And uh, hopefully even uh, at some point, he'll be joined by his partner in this uh, unique and one-of-a-kind enterprise, uh, Chava Pariban, will join us somewhere along the line. But Lou, welcome to Pizza Quest. And uh, and this is not your first time on Pizza Quest. We, you and I did an interview together about four years ago after yeah. I met you at the fermentation festival in wisconsin the ferment festival as they call it uh and i got to sit through a whole presentation and 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 sip through with you a tasting of of mezcals and you cooked an amazing traditional dinner i mean it was it was unique and wonderful and and so uh you were kind enough to come and do a uh written like we did a you know a a, a verbal interview but not a podcast because we didn't have this podcast thing going then and you've got your own podcast on on uh, hrn the heritage radio network um that's called agave road trip right yeah yeah it's funny i guess i'm like uh, i'm old school um old school pizza quest right yeah yeah you're you're old and new <laughs> you're all you're you're on the the, the this the beginning of the quest and the never-ending quest that we're all on together you know it's so funny that feels to me like that festival where we met each other was so long ago peter it mm -hmm. feels to me like 
decades, and it like it couldn't have been what six years ago. It might have been might have been five years ago. I don't know. I lost track of time. The last two years kind of screwed up everything with our with with yeah. time. So, yeah. but but um, I wish I could get back there. It was such a fun event. You know, there was so many different aspects of fermentation going on. I had my share of kimchi. I did a workshop on bread making. You did the mezcal. Um, yeah, and then and then there were artists of all sorts, all scattered through like a, a small town in in Wisconsin, and it was like a two three day firm fest. It was all about fermentation. Yeah, yeah, they're bringing it back uh, this year. It's going to be the end of September, and it's going to be more. I mean, you know, slowly trying to rebuild after the pandemic. Um, it looks like it's going to be a four or five day festival. Wow, wow, yeah. wow! I'd love to get back out there for that. And of course, uh, it wouldn't it, being in Wisconsin, you couldn't have a fermentation festival without a lot of cheese. And right. so I got I got to do a lot of cheese tasting, which was great. I learned a lot about cheese that that's paying off in in our pizza quest and focus so uh you know it just the learning never ends as does the quest but i see you've got this great background there you've even got our pizza quest logo <laughs> and then you've got your logo now what what tell us about those those that pickup truck behind you yeah, sure. So that's that's the uh, the logo that Chema Scandal made for our podcast, Agave Road Trip. And it's really, it's, it's funny. I don't think I've ever driven a pickup truck. You know, I've never driven one in Mexico. I might never have driven one, period. But but in essence, when you, when you drive through the back roads of rural Mexico, it's not uncommon to see um, one of these pickups uh, or, or a truck like it. And to see... Um, and you need a truck because the roads that you drive on, they're not like roads. They're like yeah. dried up riverbeds. I mean, like, yeah. It's bouncy. <laughs> yeah. And, but they'll be full of, of agaves and they'll be full of garifones, glass bottles that are, you know, well, more often plastic bottles, if I'm being honest. Cause yeah. You get it. Um, but that are just full of these beautiful heritage agave spirits. Um, so and that's yeah. really what 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 your mission is all about is 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 uh, championing and protecting and and uh, sort of supporting and being, a you know, kind of part of the, the rooting section for these small batch uh, distillers and and people who are who are making specialty mezcal, not like what you find in in the liquor stores here. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. The um, the name of the organization is Sacred, Saving Agave for Culture, Recreation, Education, and Development. Um, but I, it, and it took me a few years to really wrap my head around it. But like, while the agave is incredibly important and biodiversity is incredibly important, and, and we'll talk about Dan Saladino's book uh, Eating to Extinction uh, mm. at some point. But you know, what's really striking me is the importance of this multi-generational wisdom that these families utilize when they're making these spirits. The The spirits are great. The spirits are delicious. Um, and, and they're the most visible representation here in the USA, um, uh, most visible representation of that multi-generational wisdom. But the thing that I really love and the thing that uh, I want to support, uh, as you suggest, are these people who yeah. who are utilizing these ideas and these thoughts? This they come at the world from a different perspective um, than I do, where efficiency isn't really even part of the equation when they're doing something. Is it efficient? Mm. Is it not efficient? They don't care. All they care about is the end result, mm. and that approach to the world is so different from from mine. And you know, I, I would say from the 
the parts of the world that end up making decisions about how to solve problems. And I've seen these communities develop solutions to problems like water insecurity and food insecurity, climate change, mm. see them develop these approaches to it that I think we need to incorporate into the broader um, into the broader approach that we're taking as a planet, as a species. Yeah, it's I mean, they kind of represent the essence of what the slow food movement was all about. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and and, uh, and number one, uh, I remember when the slow food movement began and the, the, the big focus was preserving and protecting flavor, real flavor, the flavors, authentic flavors from foods that, that have been basically uh, watered down. And, right. and uh, in my recollection of, of the presentation that I first did with you, you know, one of the things was, was that, that there were flavors we were tasting and we're going to, we're going to get to do some tasting today, by the way. So don't go anywhere folks. But um uh, but that we were tasting uh, uh, spirit beverages, these mezcals that were not like anything I've ever. It wasn't like your, you know, your everyday tequila. It wasn't like anything, even your top shelf tequila. It was like these were all over the spectrum of flavor profiles and extreme, extreme depths of flavor is what I remember uh, that that was revelatory for me. Yeah, you know, the thing that I find fascinating about it is this this approach that they take in these communities um, that they often take us, you know, there's certainly people who are doing things in a, um, a more efficient way. But the things that I love, the spirits that I love tend to be made uh, by hand using pre-industrial methods and using a, a broad range of agaves from a broad range of communities. And as a result, I think you get a much wider breadth of flavor than you get in something like like whiskeys where it's you know like i think i think whiskey can be defined you know and i i love scotch don't yeah you know, i don't need the people from scotland yelling at me but, yeah right right <laughs> but you know i think you can define it within a much smaller box than you can these heritage agave spirits because when you're talking about open air fermentation and all the different bacteria that are going to be at play in that agave like i i, I think you just end up getting a much a much broader range of, of beauty. Well, you know, we say in our sort of catchphrase with what Pizza Quest is about, our website, the, the, the subtitle is, is a journey of self-discovery through pizza, but also it's a celebration of artisanship wherever we find it. And in this case, in this instance, you know, what you're, you're really talking about true artisans, these, these small batch, you know, distillers. And, and so some of the people who are listening probably listen to your podcast as well. And, and this may be review for them, but for the benefit of those who are kind of new to the, uh, to the spirits and agave world, let, let's, let's get some fundamentals out of there. Like what, first of all, the first question, of course, you probably get all the time is, is, is it mezcal another kind of tequila? And so right, right. what's the difference between tequila and mezcal? And, and then let's talk about, you know, how this is made because, because it has to stay small in one sense, because it's not like the, the craft beer business where, you know, you can make huge batches of beer and there's plenty of grain to ferment. You know, you, you, you're fermenting agave cactus, right? And, and well, so agave isn't a cactus. It's, it's not. Succulent. Okay. So that's but, another but, misconception because we but, all think of it as a cactus. Yeah. But, but in, in fact, the problem is you can make it in those large batches. So this is, in fact, I mean, again, to, to reference uh, Dan Saladino's book, Eating to Extinction, this is sort of the salient point is, um, so you've got, 
let's get to those basics and I'll try to explain yeah. this in the basics. Yeah. So uh, in the same way that you've got whiskey as an overarching category, and yeah. then you've got scotch as a kind of whiskey and bourbon's a kind of whiskey um, and fireball's a kind of whiskey. That's not a category. <laughs> that's just a little joke. Um, uh, the same way, right? You've got agave spirits as an overarching category. And then tequila is a kind of agave spirit. And mezcal is a kind of agave spirit, and ricea is a kind of agave spirit, and bacanora, and and these are all denominations of origin. So in the uh, same way, right, the champagne has to be made uh, a certain way in a certain place, um, and then it is certified and sanctified as champagne. Same thing with tequila. Same thing with mezcal. Same thing with ricea, bacanora. I see. Same thing. Yeah. So, so when we say mezcal, we're talking about a agave spirit that's produced primarily in Oaxaca? Is that the region of der derivation or is that another misconception? Well, well I mean, it gets, I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this. When you see the word mezcal, that means it's certified as mezcal. Um, but if if you go with us on an agave road trip into rural Mexico, you're going to go to places where they're referring to their agave spirits as mezcal because that's the traditional word that they use, that their families have used. Mm -hmm. But that word was plucked from them by the Mexican government when they got the denomination of origin. Uh, so that they're uh -huh. not allowed to legally use that. They still do. You talk to them, they're going to say mezcal. But, and this is the, the, the important piece of this, is if you're shopping in a store in the USA and the bottle doesn't say mezcal, it says agave spirit. Uh -huh. In that community, it's very likely that they're still calling it mezcal, but that family, for either geographic reasons or financial reasons, or because the, um, the definition of mezcal is that was defined by the the Mexican government in order to to create that denomination of origin um, changes how they would have to make the spirit in such a way that they would literally be breaking their cultural heritage in order to utilize the word. Wow. So so I say I, it's it's really confusing. But I say yeah. all that to say, you know, if you pick up a bottle and it and it doesn't say mezcal on it and it says agave and it says Mexico, don't assume that it's bad or it's cheap or like I say, just yeah. There's, there's there's these restrictions that have something to do with with government getting in the middle of it and also marketing and all sorts yeah. of other things. It reminds me a little bit of the the pizza rules, you know, out of Naples, you know that that a true Neapolitan pizza has to be made with a certain flour and a certain tomato baked at a certain temperature in a wood-fired oven. You know, those were the, the strict rules. And then there's the way everybody does it, which, which is basically <laughs> breaking all those rules. Uh, but you can't put on your on the, on the window of your pizzeria that you have a VPN pizza unless you're following the rules. So, yeah. Oh, will they actually go and certify, like in Brooklyn, would they certify a place? Yeah. The people, there are some pizzerias here in the States that seek out that certification because it indicates that they're trying to follow the strict rules that were established in Naples. Now, we think these are ancient rules. These rules were established like in the 1980s, and it was basically <laughs> by a marketing board who were just worried that Naples, the, 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 the brand of Naples itself was getting diluted by the fact that people were calling their pizzas Neapolitan when they weren't following these strict guidelines so no, I, I, there was a I, good intention there but it but it, it got to be a little bit of a something people call it you know the the pizza police <laughs> and I, I i hate to to be the one to break this to you peter but i think the 1980s actually are considered ancient now yeah well that's Sorry. true <laughs> 
I, I, I'm in denial about that. <laughs> but anyway, so so to get back to tequila mezcal, right? So tequila, um, so there are a number of rules, but the, the most important rules are if the bottle says 100% uh, agave or 100% blue Weber or something like that, uh -huh. that means that it's 100% agave. Um, whereas if it doesn't say that, if it just says tequila, then that means up to 49% of the sugars aren't don't have to come from uh, agave. agave. They can be I corn see. syrup or whatever. I see. So yeah. so so it's a it's a, a it could be anything. But if it yeah. says but if it says either mezcal or agave spirits, then it's likely to be a hundred percent from agave. Uh, if it says a hundred percent agave, it's hundred. If it doesn't, it, it oh. it's not necessarily. It could uh -huh. be. Yeah. But it's not necessarily with tequila in particular. If you if, if you want to bottle your tequila outside of Mexico, you can't call it 100%. So you could purchase bulk 100% tequila in Mexico, ship it to the USA, bottle it here, and it's still 100% agave, but you can't say that. Oh. So it can also only be made from Blue Weber agave. And there are like two to three hundred kinds of agave. So a Blue Weber is a specific kind of agave, and that's the one that's the most prolific, would you say, or the most commonly used? Well, yeah, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, because tequila is far and away. Like right now, mezcal is something like 2% of tequila in terms of production. Wow. So, so, so And tequila is always associated with the Blue Weber. Always Blue Weber, always Blue uh -huh. Weber. And uh, it can only be made uh, in the state of Jalisco and then four other states, but just municipalities in those four other states. And I'm sure um, they pay dearly to have to be able to call it tequila. <laughs> I suspect there was some backroom dealing. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, yeah. These, these these designations don't come cheap. Right. But Especially when the government's involved. But, you know, but as we were talking about large batch with the with the beers and the breweries, there are very large batch tequilas. Like they figured out the way to convert this this large plant uh, into alcohol um, using industrial methods. It's not like it's impossible to do it, even though, you know, when you think about your, your sugar source to make other alcohols, it's always something tiny. It's like a little grape or a little grain or yeah. sugar cane. And then you get to agaves and they'll be, you know, 100, 200 pounds. And, and trying to manage that giant sugar source can be yeah. Yeah, yeah, different. Well, and I remember you showing us a slideshow of uh, of of the, the process itself of cooking them down and the different the, the whether it's a gourd or some some kind of a homemade thing or or steel uh, still that they were using. It's 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 really a pretty fascinating process. But let's get one other elephant in the room out of the way. What's the deal with the worm? My my when I told my wife I was doing a, a podcast today with you uh, and we're going to be talking about mezcal and she said you mean the one with the worm it's like and and and, and neither of us are big you know spirit drinkers so we have uh, maybe some liquor in the cabinet for when we have company over but we don't we're not experts in this but but so where, what's the association with the worm yeah I don't know. You know, it's funny. Like, for, for, like it, it, the, I've heard a lot of stories. Nobody knows the truth behind it. Um, in essence, mezcal. You know, when I started drinking mezcal, when I started the first time I had mezcal. <laughs> yeah, I should say. You know, it would have been like 1989, 1990. And oh, the ancient brought, days. Yeah, <laughs> the, that's right. The ancient, oh, the ancient days. Um, it, so it, it would have been way back then and uh, at a housewarming party somebody brought me a bottle and it had the worm in it 
right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think the truth of it is that it became sort of a marketing thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. This is how we distinguish mezcal from tequila. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. yeah. When you got a bunch of gringos coming down to Mexico and you're trying to market something, like we need a simple message. And the, the simple yeah. message was, oh well, the, the difference is we have a worm in it. The worm is the icon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because um, you know my first association with that was like, what was the movie? Uh, the Urban Cowboy, some of the John Travolta, way back, and, and again a 1980s movie where he plays the guy who wants to be you know a cowboy, and and there's a bad guy played by Scott Glenn, and there's a scene where he just swigging this mezcal, and then then he just eats the worm, you know, and that's, and that became a, a famous scene from the movie because everyone's going, it's a cringe, a cringe scene, you know, but that, <laughs> that association got locked into people's head. Oh, if it's, if it's got the worm, then it must be mezcal, you know, but I'll, I'll tell you the worm itself is actually a delicacy. Um, it's, it's a worm. It's a larva. It's not a worm. It's a caterpillar. Right. Uh, uh. And, and, and so it tends to, um, uh, it tends to live on the agave plant and feed off the agave plant. Um, and it comes out about once a year. I think it's in August. And they'll fry, they'll, oftentimes you'll find the, uh, the gusano. Um, you'll find it fried in oil and then preserved in salt. And they're oh. delicious. Ah, it's a delicacy. Yeah. So gusano mean, is is the name of this caterpillar or quote worm caterpillar? Yeah. Yeah. In other words, like your your comic <laughs> like, book, you created a comic book called Gusano. El Gusano. Yeah, uh, El Gusano, which which says when things come out of his eyes, people, people die. die. Yeah, and and uh, and I love it. It's a, it's it's like a really graphic, uh, you know, uh, it's a Marvel comics on steroids, so to speak, or on or on agave. Uh, but uh, it's 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 a pretty cool comic and. We won't get hung up on this today, but uh, are, they, are there any issues still available? If people want to write to you for them? Yeah, I, actually, we sell them on the website. Oh, uh, good. Sacred.mx is one of please. our many fundraisers in order go, to go. Go, please go to the website. Yes. So sacred.com is the website? or mm-hmm. No, sacred. it's not. It's sacred.mx, like sacred Mexico. If you go to sacred.com, I think you end up on a church. Oh, okay. So sacredmx.com. All right. No, no. So sacred.mx. Sacred dot okay for everyone who's listening. Sacred dot mx uh, and some of and of course many of you already know this because you've probably been there. But uh, sacred dot mx dot com. No, no, just dot mx. Just dot. You can just stop at dot mx and you're there. Okay, yeah, and yeah. You, and you can check out Gusano. So so before we run out of time in this segment though, um, uh, you were you mentioned something about how many different kinds of agave there are. So. Is, and does that translate to different flavor profiles then? Because you sent me six different uh, little bottles for tasting today. And and I remember the, the last tasting I did with you, there were so many different flavors. Each one had such a different flavor. Is yeah. is that a result of which agave they choose to use? Or is it more about the process that they're making it with? Oh, see, this is why I wish Chava were here because we'd fight over this. Um, so the, I, would <laughs> say, I would say that um, everything plays a part in the end flavor right when you're talking about something that's handmade though i would contend that the most important factor of everything is the decisions made by the person who is making it the Mm -hmm. man or the woman who is deciding how hot am i going to make this in-ground stone-lined earthen oven before i put my agave in 
how long am I going to leave it buried in there to convert the uh, the starches into fermentable sugars? Yeah. How finely am I going to milk? Like all of these decisions end up creating this end flavor. And because it's not the stuff that I love is is generally the stuff that is made by hand using entirely pre-industrial methods because there's not a cookie cutter way to do it. It's so hard for one batch to taste like the next batch. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. even if you're using the exact same agave from the exact yeah. same place, the exact same tools to do all that conversion, you're going to find this huge range of flavors even within those spirits. And that's why it's really an artisan you know, uh, product is because it is, it's artisanal. It's, it's, it's made by hand. And and the hands play a major part in the final outcome. Uh, we even say that now with uh, artisan bread making that uh, that scientifically now uh, sourdough. The people are doing a lot of studies on sourdough, uh, uh, not just the craft side, but the science of behind sourdough. Say that the hands themselves affect the flavor because that of the, so the, the the microorganisms on our hands. God, you know, to that point, and I, I know we're running out of time in this segment, Peter, but I just got to touch on this. One of the things that you were most fascinated by, I believe, um, during our uh, our first meeting, during that tasting, is this community, Santa Maria Ixcatlan, where they ferment in bullskins. Yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Was... So it's, it's a family that does this. And the father of the family, I found out on a, a trip a, a couple of years after that tasting, the father, Armando Alvarado Jimenez, he does two things in the community that he's known for. One is he makes these beautiful heritage agave spirits, what he would call mezcal or iscateco. Uh-huh. Um, and the other thing he does is he bakes bread. Ah. So we need to schedule a trip yeah. for you to go down there. Oh, and gosh, see I would yeah. love that. I would love that. I'd love to bake bread with him and, and watch him, you know, yeah. uh, uh, brew up a badge of uh of this and 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 when you said in a bull sack is that what what you called it a bull yeah uh, it's the skin of a bull it's literally just hanging from four logs and that's where they ferment the 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 liquid yeah the agave gets fermented there so that the the yeast that does the fermentation is coming off of the plants that are surrounding those bull sacks yeah incredible well that so what i think we should do is take a little break here we'll come back in in part two of uh, this, I mean, we could we could go for hours, and and of course, for those of you who are as fascinated as I am, you have to go to Agave Road Trips podcast, which uh, you can find on uh, both at HRN uh, on their network or on your website or on any podcast server wherever uh, you access your podcast. There you go. I guess that's the catchphrase. Uh, the same place where you find Pizza Quest, the Pizza Quest podcast. Uh, and uh, but uh, Heritage Radio is kind of like our host site. They're our sponsoring site, and we love them. And uh, and and in fact, that's how you and I reconnected. Was that we were at a Heritage Radio like little uh, you know host party. All the hosts that had shows were on a, on a Zoom together about a year ago. And I said, "Oh my God, you know I haven't seen you in years. We got to we got to get on each other's podcast." So uh, oh, you you introduced me to Heritage Radio. Is that right? Yeah, when I came to visit uh, in Charlotte. Oh, um, yeah. Wow. We arranged a tasting, and you brought them with. No kidding! Wow, I forgot all about that. They, yeah, because they were also here when we did our bread uh, bread symposium, and they were recording the whole symposium and creating podcasts from the symposium. So yeah, it's a small world, huh? And and you're and of course for people who don't know you, you're based in Chicago. You're not based in Mexico, but you spend an awful lot of time down doing these road trips down to Mexico. 
Um, and maybe in part two, we'll, we'll explore a little bit more after I get uh, a, a little bit of tasting, you know, into me, <laughs> then tell us more about the work that you're doing, the work of sacred and, and uh, you know, some of the, the amazing people that you're working with and meeting down there. So, uh, so we'll come back in part two with Lou Bank and uh, maybe Chava Parabon will, will join us if he, uh, we, we're, we're not sure because he's down in, in, in uh, where is he, in Oaxaca now? or uh, No, he's in Mexico. Well, actually, maybe the problem is he's in Oaxaca. He should be in Mexico City. I mean, so he's not, so we, we don't know if he's got if he's got the right time zone thing, but he'll, <laughs> he'll probably jump in. If not, we'll get another, we'll do it again and we'll get him on. But uh, we'll see you all back in, in the next uh, segment of Pizza Quest today with Lou Bank. We're talking all about agave spirits um, and, and tasting is coming up. Thanks, Peter. Stick around for more Pizza Quest after a word from our sponsor. I'm Chava Peribán, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operated distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred my organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Welcome back to Pizza Quest. And uh, I'm here with Lou Bank. We're talking all things agave spirits. We're talking spirits today. And uh, Lou, I have in front of me six, or actually to the side of me, six little bottles of agave that you sent me, different, different types of agaves, and a small little shell-like cup that uh, it's called a cojita copita 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 yeah. so again for those of us who are not you know not not versed in all this uh the i don't know the terminology all i know is right now i'm smelling agave and it's it's intoxicating just the aromas but so but now i've got my cojita so this is for tasting purposes right yeah, you know, it's funny. People talk, uh, mezcal geeks will talk about, oh, the copita is the traditional thing to drink, and it's not. It's just <laughs> not. It travels a lot better than the actual traditional thing, which is a hikara, which is sort of like a gourd, a half uh, gourd. It's not really a gourd, but it's like a gourd. Um, and this is what uh, is more traditional for drinking out of. But, man, trying to carry these uh, across yeah. the board, so this makes it much easier. So the co co Copita is a small little, looks like a, a little half shell, and it's beautiful. It's, it feels great in the hand. It's almost right. like a little sake, sake cup. Uh, the the what's, what's the big one called, the gourd? That's a hikara. The hikara, though, you could get a lot the, more mezcal in one of those. Even <laughs> oh, better. Then you got a, a mega. Uh, he, this is for professionals only, Peter. Boy, I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> you, that, you, you, 
it would take a lot of mezcal to fill that one, that the big one. But uh, but let's start with this little guy there. And and uh, why don't you just take take me through the tasting, and everybody can sort of vicariously taste with us. And I'll try to describe as best I can my sensory experience. I like that. So the the, the first bottle I want you to grab. Did you start already? Did you just grab one randomly? No, I just put them out here in random okay, order, but okay, I okay. didn't I didn't start drinking yet. Okay, I wouldn't yell at you. If, well, I might yell at you. Okay, so the first one I want it you to taste. Won't be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> or the last. Yeah. So the, the, the first one I want you to pour actually is labeled Zignum, I think. Or maybe it's just got a one on it. It's okay. definitely, it's one of the green tape ones. I got the Zignum here. Yeah, it's got with green tape. Zignum S. Espa, what's the Espan, Esparin or Espan? Esparin. Esparin Oaxaca. Yeah, so okay. so pour a little bit of that into your copita. Into my copita. Yep. Okay, and by a little, I'm just going to put a tiny little bit so that I can make it through the end of the show. <laughs> okay, I've got some in there. Okay, so the first thing I want you to do, we're going to do this, I mean, we're going to do it slow first and then fast the second time, but I'm going to want you to do the exact same thing um, on a different one. But what I want you to do is just put this up to your nose and smell it this way. Oh yeah. 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 Right. It's it's so um well it's complex. The aroma's complex, but it's it's I don't know what to say. It's Peter, there's a satisfaction. Peter, Peter, I'm I'm throwing you a curveball on this one, so don't go too deep. Okay. Is it is it really that complex or are you just playing to the audience? <laughs> Good question. To me it's <laughs> complex. I mean is I'm it? Not, okay. Well I have nothing no, it's, to compare. That's fair. Wait, I have nothing to compare it to. Maybe I'll the next one will say it's more complex or smell more complex. But it's there. but it's pleasant. The aroma Yeah. It, it's really, really it's not fruity. It's oh. just pleasant and and kind of there's a richness to it. That's all I can yeah. say. Yeah. So so then set that copita down, pop your finger into the liquid, liquid into your palm, palms together. And then, like you're uh, in a David Lynch movie, <laughs> smell it that way. Mm. Okay, so I'm rubbing, I'm rubbing my hands together with a little bit of the mezcal, and now I'm yeah. smelling. Now it's totally different. Uh, of course, I'm getting part of it's my hands. I'm getting some, some whatever that's adding to it. <laughs> Probably smells like pizza dough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's changed. It, the, the aromas has definitely changed. Yeah, because what you've done is you've evaporated. I think this is probably about forty ah. percent uh, alcohol by volume. Yeah, and so you've evaporated a lot more of the alcohol, and you're left with the smell of the uh, the cooked agave. In this case, the espadina agave, and it's uh, yeah. used to make it. And 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 you had said earlier that different makers cook it at different lengths and things like that. This smells like it's pretty well cooked. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not burnt. It's it's but the 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 the, the aroma tones are are you can you can sense that they've been cooked it's not just it's not just like raw honey or something like that it's there's a a cooked quality to it yeah mm -hmm. so then what i want you to do is just pop your tongue into the liquid and then rub that on the roof of your mouth and behind your teeth in order to clear your palate okay so i've just dipped my tongue in and rubbing it behind my teeth yeah and up against my palate yeah. Okay. And mm. then take a, a small sip, just a half sip, and hold it on your tongue to the count of five before you swallow. Okay, here and, we go. 
so you know all alcohol as i said uh, in the first segment all alcohol starts life as sugar you know no surprise right and the sugars that are used to make the most complex wines in the world come from grapes and of course grapes take a maximum of four months to reach maturity and if this were a whiskey tasting or a beer tasting we'd be talking about grains which take six months most cane that's used to make um uh, rum yeah. takes six months there are some varieties that take a year but most of it's just six months mm. so you're, you're talking about a sugar source that's at most six months old whereas with agave this is made from the espadine agave this is farmed espadine so it would have taken probably five years to reach maturity mm. five years as opposed to six months so that for before they could harvest it for the for the distilling yeah uh -huh. yeah so so it, which begs the question you know what's the difference between a, a five-year-old sugar source and a six-month-old sugar source yeah what and, is the difference well, you know, it, it, like the, the difference isn't in the sugar. The sugar is the same. The difference is in the fact that this five-year-old plant, even if it's on a farm, and it, you know, it absolutely is if it's coming from Zygnum, um, even if it was raised on a farm, to live for five years out yeah. there, it's had to develop all of and this is this is a farmed one if we're talking about like one of the deserts even more so but it had to develop all of these these mechanisms these biological mechanisms to ensure that the bugs don't eat it, the plagues don't eat it, that human beings like you and i don't come along and eat it right. in the middle of a desert this can be the only food source for miles it's got to protect itself it's got to protect itself and so i would contend that this plant is the most complex sugar source that's used to commonly make alcohol and as a result the flavors are more complex mm. than any other alcohol and so when i say that little half sip to hold on your tongue to the count of five yeah. it's literally because these things can be like the tower of babel some people they'll drink it and they'll be turned off they're like what's going on it's too hot it's crazy it's because you're not used to the complexity now uh -huh. now as i say i kind of threw you a curveball because i would contend that what you're drinking in your copita right now peter yeah. is the uh, the smoothest mezcal available on market um, the least complex uh -huh, mezcal yeah. on the market so this is this is made using an industrial method this is used amazing made using a tool called a diffuser and so the, what they're doing is they're taking the agave they are milling it while it's still raw they're blasting it with at least hot water and maybe maybe some acid in order to um, a detach the sugars from the agave and then b start the enzymatic process of converting the 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 starches they're not sugars yet the yeah. starches the agavins um in that plant into fermentable sugars and and then they would cook that slurry of the water and the acid and and these agavians they would cook that to convert to fermentable sugar they would add yeast they would put it in a steel drum mm -hmm. a closed steel drum and they would let it ferment and they would distill it in a column still now the process i just described to you is how the vast majority of alcohol in the That's world right. is it's made the, it's the le it sounds like the least quote artisan version of this uh, spirit beverage of, of compared to some of the ones that you know you're we're going to talk about later. 
Yeah, and it and yeah. it is, and and yet it know, still works, even at the for somebody who's a novice like me, it's still well, pretty damn good. <laughs> and that's why I sent it to you, right? Because I feel like you know I I have no doubt that some of the people who are watching this um, uh, are familiar with Mescal, but I'm guessing a lot of people have read about it, or heard about it, and they're interested. And you know, when you talk to a Mescal geek. They'll tell you, oh, this is garbage. You shouldn't drink it. But the truth <laughs> is, this is the easiest access point, I would argue, yeah. for the average consumer who is not familiar with mezcal. But, you know, I want you to taste something like this, like this yeah. Zignum, um, and then I want you to move on. And I want you okay. to move on. I want you to move on because, you know, this this goes back to the, the Dan Saladino um, book, Eating to Extinction. Yeah. You know, we need biodiversity to live on our planet without biodiversity we're going to lose we're going to lose these these microclimates in which different bacteria and different things grow different animals live different insects live that we need in order to maintain our environment um and if you know we were talking about you can't make big batches of uh, of of agave spirits and you can or we wouldn't have tequila um but if you go to Jalisco, it's like one big monoculture of Blue Weber in uh -huh. order to create those big batches. Yeah, yeah. And this is the same challenge that we have in agriculture in general with, with wheat, commodity grains, things like that, corn, uh, bananas. You know, we've, yep. we've yeah. lost that biodiversity. Yeah, that, it's, that's exactly my point. So what I want you to do, like, if you try Zygnum, maybe that gets you into it and then move on so, to yeah, the so next Zyg thing. Zygnum's kind of the gateway, the gateway agave. <laughs> it can be. And there are other ones, you know, I, I don't yeah. want to, you know, not for me today, this was, this is my gateway into a, into a much more, uh, uh, na narrower path. I'd say, all Here right. Go. So, so which then, one should I try next? So then the next one I want you to try is, um, uh, is Via Suso. Via Suso is another green label. Yep. Via Suso is right now. Now here it is, Via Suso. Yes. Okay. So, so Via Suso would have this would have been made um, uh, using a different kind of agave. So it's made using Salmiana. Salmiana is going to take something like eight, maybe ten years to reach maturity. It's a bigger agave, and it would have been made in the state of Guanajuato. So. You know, you were saying most mezcal comes from Oaxaca, and you weren't wrong, right? The Zygnum's from Oaxaca. 92% in 2020, 92.7% of all mezcal came from Oaxaca. Something like 90% of that was made from Espadine. Hmm. So, you know, we're headed in the same direction as bananas, as like all these, as you know, wheat. Um, and so I want people to drink a broader range of agave spirits from a broader range of states let's go mm -hmm. to guanajuato mm -hmm. so what they would you know walk through this the same way smell okay. it you know right. um so the way that they make this spirit is uh they cook their agave in a steam oven above ground brick steam oven and then they mill it using a tahona a stone wheel pulled by a horse um they ferment they ferment open air uh in these in essence like uh like sort of brick uh, uh stalls if you will and then they distill in a uh, uh in a, a copper still a copper pot still oh okay. so copper pot in, in the end is the is the final the final stage of this process 
Yeah, but and a again, pot still as opposed to column still, which is also, a, you know, it's it's so more complex. That, yeah. I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so I'm doing the same thing. I've, 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 I've sniffed it. I've rubbed it on my hand. Again, definitely different, a totally different aroma quality than the first one. And I right. see what you mean now about, you know, this one. Well, again, I don't know that complex is the right word to use at this stage, but oh, it, I it, it. but it, yeah, but it's definitely more, there's more uh, aromasticity to this than the first one. And also there's a sweetness I'm, that I'm getting off of this one that I didn't get from the first one. Yeah. Uh, so it is, you know, it's noticeably different for sure. Yeah. And, and, it, and of course, seven years to mature. So if let's say if they wanted to try to hurry it up and take it in five years, it just mean that there's, not going to be as much sugar developed sugar potential developed in the in the agave if they take it too early yeah exactly and that's that's a whole political issue we just did a, an episode on on uh, agave road trip about this um there's a whole political issue behind uh, uh uh harvesting immature agave and the truth is like i think once you've harvested the agave to use it for spirits i'm personally not so sure that I see any immorality, if you will. Like, if if you're not letting the plant go to seed to reproduce, I'm not sure what the issue is. Now, you're going to have much lower yields, but that's mm. really, that's more of a production issue to my mind. But that's, you know, there are people who literally would uh, would hang me for saying that. Well, is, is, the, is the agave that's used to make this particular round uh, a farm raised or is it in the wild? This is farm raised. You'll almost never see espadine uh, in the wild anymore. That that first agave you tasted. This one, the salmiana, you will see in the wild. Though these are absolutely farmed so that this particular producer can make large batches, eh, largest batches. I mean, when I say large, I'm guessing their largest batch is probably, you know, three thousand liters, which, which is like ten minutes for a, for a major rum producer or whiskey producer. That's amazing. So. And there's definitely, I'm, I'm, I, I did the five second thing on my tongue and a totally different flavor profile. There's a much more, I don't know if, 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 I'm, if I have the right language, it must be, you guys must have a chart of some sort that def, define a different <laughs> flavor profiles because like they do with the wine tasting charts, but yeah. there's a perfumey quality, a, a floral, maybe perfumey quality that wasn't in the first one. Um, and yeah, and it, it it just it spikes in a whole different uh, like on a different angle than the first one that I tasted. Yeah, to me, this particular spirit and most most agave spirits made from the Salmiana agave have uh, something that reminds me of poblano peppers. Mm, not, yeah. not not with like there's no heat to it. No, but the no flavor. But now that you say it, you've put a word to it. Now yeah. you've, that word was matching the flavors that I'm getting as I taste it again. Now, yeah. now, do you advise when people drink, if they're going to just you know take it in a shot glass and drink, that they do that they that they hold it for five seconds before they swallow, and then and and then you savor each sip that way as opposed to just you know it's like you know down the hatch. I, you know, I I do. Um, I, I I think. I think there are plenty, not even think, I, like there are plenty of people who can drink this and just throw it back and actually experience it. Um, but I think the average person, particularly the average person who wasn't raised drinking these spirits, has a hard time appreciating it if they're not doing that with the small sips. Um, 
and you know, and having said that, I'll get into a conversation with somebody while I'm drinking, and I'll yeah, yeah. I'll I'll stop paying attention. And then suddenly, I'll I'll find myself gagging because I took too big a sip. <laughs> too, right? But it's it's kind of like drinking a fine wine. You want to get the most. If you're gonna you yep. know, spend the money for it, you want to get the most pleasure from it. You want to get the most value from it. And 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 if you're just drinking it mindlessly, you're you know, you're, you're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table, so to speak, or down the hatch. On um, the pallet, yeah. Yeah, on the pallet. So, and, and, and the other thing I was wondering, and I know that with, with wine tasting, they, you know, they always tell you, make sure you get lots of aeration going because, you know, you, you want to get the, you want to get some of those, those essences, those esters, you know, into your sinus cavities, because that's yeah. where you taste. You taste a lot of the flavor in the sinuses more than you do on the tongue. Is this oh, true know, with I, this? Well, I've, I've heard a lot of people say that. I've never said that uh, because I've tried it and it never works for me. But, but I think that might be because I'm allergic to dogs and I live with them. So my sinuses don't oh, exist. Well, well but, I know that, yeah, when I've, when I've like swished in my mouth, sometimes I'll do the, you know, like I'll just swish it around to kind of foam it up in my mouth. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, gases or something are, are being released. And I'm tasting nuances of that grape that I didn't taste when it first hit my palate. Suddenly, yeah. like you said, the black cherry comes out or the the currants or whatever they tell you should be in there. And I always go, where is that black cherry I've been told about? And it, <laughs> and, and and the only way I could get it to come out was to really get a lot of air going in there. And, and I'm just, I just tried this with this last uh, sip of this one is to just swish it a little, but I didn't put enough in my mouth to really swish, but, I'm, but, but I was wondering if it would open up even more, you know, levels of nuance. Yeah. Well, you'll have to tell I'm me. Switching right now. <laughs> I used to laugh at that, you know, because it's almost a cliche that you know wine geeks, you know, do all this these these rituals that they have, but it really does make a difference in flavor. In this yeah. case, I mean, just getting the letting it sit for five seconds on the tongue releases so much flavor that you, you're not going to get that if you just drink it straight down. There's no way. Right on. Yeah. So then let's move to the third okay. one. Which will be La Luna's Cupriata. Okay. Oh, another Luna's, green tape. Yep. La Luna. Yep. I think I've got that one here. Yep. I've got it. Okay. And so the significant difference now is the first two spirits that you had, the agave would have been cooked in a way that didn't use fire, right? When people say mezcal, um, if they've read a couple articles, the thing that stands out to them is mezcal is smoky. Well, neither of the things you just tasted had smoke anywhere really in the process. Right. So you wouldn't have tasted smoky. So, you know, now we're going to move into that uh, uh, more traditional flavor mm. profile with this, where the, um, La Luna, the, A, it's made with a cupriata agave. So, again, not espadine. Uh, the cupriata is going to take something like eight years to reach maturity. These are wow. absolutely farmed cupriatas. And this was made in Michoacan. So, again, mm. walking further away from uh, Oaxaca. And Michoacan is a, a state also uh, where you can make tequila or mezcal and certify it as as either one in that state yeah I, I tell you i definitely the smokiness comes through especially after i rubbed it on my hands and when i just when i just sipped it you know from the cup i mean when i smelled it from the cup i i wasn't getting the smoke but as soon as i warmed it up that smokiness came out and really you know sort of as the it's the aftertaste, uh, so to speak. I, I feel like I'm getting as much pleasure out of, s s you know, uh, smelling them as I am from drinking them. It's just the, uh, which I think proves that theory that we taste so much with our 
you know, in our, in our sinuses and in our, in our olfactory, you know, yeah. side. Um, I mean, it really is uh, oh. a pleasant experience, a wonderful experience. You can just, you can just get by on the aroma. It's the same thing with bread. I would, I could just as, get just as much joy out of smelling a fresh baked loaf of bread as I do from eating it. Uh, it's a different kind of pleasure, but I get pleasure. And I'm same thing with this. As a guy who hasn't had a fresh baked bread in a long time, I can promise you the smell while it's beautiful is not the same as the eating. I miss yeah, the eating. Yeah, yeah. but uh, well, we got We'll get you a, a gluten-free bread that does, that doesn't, uh, <laughs> that doesn't disappoint, you know? Okay. Right so on. I, so I've done this one. So I should put some on my tongue now. Yeah, yeah, do the whole process. So th the way that they make this at La Luna is they cook the agave underground in a stone-lined earthen oven. This is what I was describing before was that process where you're you're heating up the stones, you're putting the agave in, and you're burying it, kind of like you would bury a pig if you were cooking it in Hawaii. Uh, like, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. And um, and in fact, if you go to our, uh, our Instagram page uh, for... Oh, I, I can't remember if it's either it's either at Sacred Agave or at Agave Road Trip. I don't remember which one I put it on. Um, in the highlights, we have a um, a time lapse video that shows the building of that uh, uh, that underground oven. So you can see oh. it's a giant mound when you finish. It goes down deep, but it's a huge mound above ground. So they would leave that um, uh, to cook. Uh, for five days in the case of La Luna, and then they mill it first by hitting it with, pull it out of the oven, and then they make it into smaller pieces by hitting it with axes uh, initially, and then using a, um, in essence, like a wood chipper. And yeah, huh. and uh, it's because, hey, it makes it easier. And they, this is, these three spirits that I've, I've, I've sent you, these first three, are meant to be affordable to the common person. And so makes it a lot easier and a lot less expensive if you throw it through that wood chipper than if you mill it by hand or even use that stone stone wheel. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, yeah. What's the, what's the Instagram if I'm if I'm going to follow that? Uh, it's at Sacred Agave or at Agave Road Trip. Either one. Either one. I, yeah. Okay, I'm going to punch that at Agave Road Trip right now. And there we go. All right. So now I'm following you. And then they would have fermented open air in wooden barrels, and they distill in these beautiful copper stills. They're not really copper pot stills. It's sort of like a, a bowl. It's a giant copper bowl that they put the uh, tapache, the fermented agave, into uh, that they heat up with, uh, uh, with, with, with wood fire. Uh, to get it above 173 degrees below 212, right? So oh. the alcohol turns into a vapor, and then it uh. leaves in this giant condenser. It's this huge wooden condenser on top. It's really beautiful. Wow. So that's yeah. now we're talking about a little bit more. Um, uh, I, again, I hate to keep using this word because it becomes it's a cliche, but an artisan approach oh. to distilling. Yeah, yeah. With without question, definitely so, an artisan approach. And so this it, uh, villa. What is it called? Villa Suso? How do you say it? Via Suso. Via Suso. It, it definitely is smokier. It, you know, it's a smoky. It's, it's the first one that really has smoke. And it. Well, you mean the La Luna has the smoke? Oh, you're sorry. drinking La Luna now. Unless you unless you cheated me here, you should be no, drinking no. the uh, the La no, Luna. No, I, I had yeah. the La Luna. I forgot to move the other bottle out of out of the way, so I lifted up the wrong bottle. But yeah, yeah, definitely getting that smoky, you know, aftertaste. And again. Uh, you were right at the beginning saying, hey, it's just going to get more and more complex as we go through this because there's nuances that just keep, I don't know, the, the, I, I call it it has legs. You know, it's just, it yep. just keeps 
it keeps coming. It's loyal. You you taste it now, and it's still with you five minutes from now. You know, so I love that loyal. I like that. That's a beautiful way to describe it. Yeah. So that is the uh, La Luna, and that and from Michoacan, mm-hmm. and. Again, is there now is La Luna a brand name or what is that? Is that um, so that people are see that there's it's something that could be available? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can find that. Like those first three, you can find pretty pretty easily in the USA. Well, if we, uh, I don't want to run out of time, so let's let's get through these other three before we. Well, I don't, you know, honestly, I I threw those into the package just so you'd have something more complex. Because again, like those first three, I thought these are three great mezcals to start with. They're all three certified mezcals. Um, The other three that I sent you is like, well, I know Peter. Peter's going to want to taste some crazy stuff too. So those are are, are examples of really crazy things um, that are made. Let's do one of the crazy ones. Sure. Um, What's that green label with the Victor? And then there's two with blue labels, the uh, head head and heart and the... Oh, head and heart. Oh, are these the same? Head and, well, says, so the the two the two that you've got there that are head and heart are yeah. part of a uh, what, what we call agave road trip in a box. It's a uh, a taster set that oh. we did with this mail order company. And the interesting thing between those two bottles is it's the exact same spirit made by the z- exact same guy, except that one of the bottles is 70% I think alcohol it's the heads of the distillation and the other one yeah you hit it and the other one is the heart of the distillation which is going to be more like uh, uh, 50% alcohol so one says puntas and the other says cuerpo there you go so the puntas is the head Uh, and then the the cuerpo is the heart Uh, ah cool I see that's where you got the head and heart yeah so oh that's cool well then let's try the the victor yeah, so that's got to be Victor Ramos's Tobala. Victor Ramos, yes. Or is it Tobala or Tobaziche? No, it says, uh, it says uh, Victor Ramos by Cuiche. Oh, Cuiche. Cuiche. So that's yet again another agave. Um, and Victor farms so many of these different varietals that are are getting harder and harder to find as as we as a culture and by culture i mean like literally globally are drinking more and more mezcal um more and more of it is being made from espadine more and more of it is coming from oaxaca um there's a fear that we're going to lose these wild agaves and i would contend that that happens most quickly because we tear out the wild lands in oaxaca to build row after row after row of espadine so the more that you, I mean, this again, getting back to Dan Saladino's yeah. book, Eating to Extinction, one of the solutions to this problem of of um, of, of monocultures is just drink and eat more stuff. It's like, like, and it's a delicious journey, right? Now we're back to your pizza quest. It's yeah. this delicious journey, and you're doing better for the planet when you do that than you yes. just consume them so so this bequiche right is going to take something like 12 or 15 years um to reach harvest age uh victor ramos yeah victor ramos uh and his his uh, son manuel uh down in milan oaxaca make this spirit they use the same kind of stone lined earthen oven they've got a couple of oxen that pull their um their tahona their stone wheel to mill it they ferment open air in wooden barrels right underneath this beautiful banana tree and then they distill in this wood-fired uh copper pot still and victor 
I, Victor never fails to make something beautiful. I show up at his place. He's got 15 different expressions, you know, each one with a different agave. Uh, and you can't, in fact, I think, I think I got this big hickory from him because you go and you ask him, like, can I try what you have for sale? And he'll fill this up like oh two thirds of the way. That's by the like time you get quarts. to that, yeah, by the time you're like into five or six of the expressions, forget it. You just hand over your wallet and he yeah. takes all your money and, and you're glad to give it yeah. to him. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, I, this is really, and this and this this one here, when I tasted it, definitely, well, first of all, this seems like a maybe a higher, um, higher ABV. proof. Yeah, 80, yeah. And, um, and, and so it really, really spikes at first, but then as the alcohol sort of, I love the idea of leaving it on your tongue because I, you know, if you don't, if someone doesn't tell you to do that. Sometimes you just, you think you should drink it down fast, but the, the, then the flavors come out after the alcohol sort of dissipates, then the flavors come out and it's, and again, a whole other range of flavors that weren't in the earlier ones Yeah, I, and not wild in the sense that, you know, like sourdough is very different from regular yeast of bread. It's, it's not wild uh, flavor or, or, it's just as pleasant as all the others, but it's just different, you know, and it's, uh, uh, I can't even find the words to describe what that difference is. Let me try another sip. I'll have to I'll get more no loquacious as I drink. But I'll, I'll tell you, so Victor Ramos, back to that very first point I made, Victor Ramos um, is imported into the USA by a few different brands, um, most prominently of which is, is Mal Bien, but it's brought in not as certified mezcal. It's not certified. Um, and guys like Victor, and Victor's not as at risk as some of these other small producers because he's got so many brands that are exporting him, but so many of these these small families who are outside the denomination of origin, whose families literally are the ones um, who shepherded this multi-generational wisdom that causes us to fall in love with this beautiful romantic spirit called mezcal. These same families are literally the ones who are finding themselves on the outside of the denomination of origin, mm -hmm, unable mm -hmm. to utilize this word that is their cultural heritage and make it even worse as you and I drink more and more mezcal. Yeah. Right. The multi the multinational liquor companies and, you know, this is on us, not on them, but the multinational liquor companies come in and they buy up the farms from which these small families used to be able to access their agave. Uh -huh. Because if you're a multinational brand, you play millions of dollars for a brand. You need to secure that investment by securing this this sugar source that takes years to reach maturity. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, well, you know, I. Let me read. Let me read what you write here in as your sort of mission statement. Sacred helps improve life in the rural Mexican communities where heritage agave spirits are made. We help replant agave, build libraries, and make earthquake repairs. And in 2021, we will construct two rain collection systems, which I uh, we definitely want to talk about this because so, it's so important to help mitigate water insecurity in two communities in Oaxaca. Join us in this work visit us at sacred.mx. Um, so I, that's, that's sort of as a, as a, a snapshot of what you do. Can you, before we run out of time, can you talk a little bit more? You've done so much. Uh, I don't want to use the word humanitarian work because it's, but it, because I know that's, you view it as this is just a joy for you to do, but you're doing something to, that's more than just enjoying the spirits here. You're doing something to help change the, the life and, and the quality of life for the people who work so hard down there. 
Well, really, what I, I, I would describe it as I'm trying to ensure that they can keep doing what they've been doing and the way they've been doing it because, you know, the fact that we keep drinking more and more mezcal, it's not coming from these families, is making it harder and harder for these families to keep doing what they're doing. So I'm trying to sort of mitigate the damage that that we as a as a society are doing by drinking more mezcal i'm doing that by by providing them with free agave seedlings so that they can they they have ownership of their own sugar source by building these these rain harvest systems because as the climate is changing they're they're running out of water down there um you know we did build those two rain harvest systems uh, one of them was delayed because of the pandemic the comic was prior to the pandemic um the um uh, we just started building our first our first library in southern Jalisco that's focused on regenerative farming to try and help support these practices that are becoming at risk. Wow. Well, Lou, we're sadly coming to the end of our of our time frame here, but uh, we, I, as I said, we could talk for hours about all this. I want to hear more. I want to. I'd love another time for us to talk about the libraries that you've been building there these rain these rain water storage uh you know uh cisterns and everything that you're creating uh but for those uh, who, who want to hear more immediately go to agave road trip the uh lose podcast with uh chavez on that as well and uh, uh and he shows up for the, for our podcast just and, not for yours yeah exactly <laughs> I, well tell, tell him we're gonna have to uh he, he owes me around here too but well but, but i'd love to uh, continue. Maybe I can continue this conversation with you on your podcast sometime. And, yeah. and, and for the rest of you, please join him there. Join us here again. Uh, each time we post, you know, uh, we're, we're exploring the, the quest. Now the, this year's theme is it's pizza quest, but with the emphasis on quest, we're going to be uh, meeting and talking with a lot of other people who like Lou have a fire in their belly for something that's just driving them, you know, deeper into this journey of self-discovery. So, and we do it through pizza, but we do it through agave. We do it through, um, through cheese, through grapes. We do it through everything. And uh, we want you to join us on this quest. So thank you all for being a part of this. Lou, thank you so much for sharing this oh, incredible you, knowledge and energy with us. We love having, I love having these conversations with you. Uh, your, your joy for what you do is infectious and uh, in a good way, you know, and I, uh, and I, and you've left me with, with, uh, uh some good sipping here and I, I will share the, 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 the techniques that you've taught me with my wife and some other people so that we can, you know, continue to spread that knowledge. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Peter. I really do appreciate it. That was my pleasure. And thank you all. We'll see you on the next episode of Pizza Quest. This show is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.